At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, man, Danny. I am embarrassed to even be showing my face in this space again after my putrid performance for last year's over-unders. I cautioned before the season that, oh, it was going to be so hard and, you know, with there could be COVID absences and this is going to be our first 82-game season in three years and how are teams going to treat the regular season? You no way of knowing. There's all these injury absences. Those are bullshit excuses. Vegas got it better than I did, better than we did, although you did better than me. Can we do better this year? Let's hope. <laughs> well, so I mean, uh, I'll, yeah. I'll explain. I'll explain briefly part of the exercise that I wanted to do this year. I don't know how much of this we'll go into on every team, but basically I wanted to try to quantify like how good were these teams actually last year? Like, you know, and so that's not only yeah. the record and the differential, but also were they unusually healthy? Were they lucky or unlucky in terms of opponent shooting? And then, you know, like how much did the roster shift? Because I think that's kind of like those are the two big pieces of the puzzle. And you could add in, you know, coaching changes or the different things that happened there for specific circumstances, because in other years, sometimes what we've done well is the difference between a team's previous record and and their actual performance. And I actually think, you know, looking through the lines preliminarily, I think Vegas actually did a much better job on that this year, which sucks for us, but that's okay. Well, they apparently did a better job last year <laughs> than we thought. That's I mean, true. also, I think it's worth noting too that last year saw an inordinate number of massive surprises and disappointments. I mean, the team that I picked to win the West and have the second best record in the West didn't even make the play-in. The Lakers, not so much the playoffs. Brooklyn was the favorite in the East by every Everybody, the championship favorite by everybody they were in the play-in and got swept in the first round it memphis came absolutely out of nowhere cleveland was one of the biggest surprise teams that we've seen in a long time you know on and on and on i do i'll give us a, a little bit of a pass in the sense that it was an extremely surprising year uh but you know a lot of these over-unders we just have to be on the the wrong side of so a, a few other things that i noted as i started really thinking about this season and i've done about a little more than half of our season outlooks now so i'll be relying on some of those predictions although maybe kind of changing them up as, as i think about it more because you know there is kind of this problem i think they're again like last year too many good teams like they can't all be as good as we think they're going to be um so i do wonder though who are the amazing offense who are the teams that are just gonna completely destroy people on the offensive end i think you know last 
last year, we thought Brooklyn, after that amazing playoff series, was going to be awesome. They were like pretty middle of the pack offensively. Uh, so there isn't a team that I'm just like so wowed by, like Atlanta. You know, maybe there's a reason why they're they're the number two offense. They might take a little bit of a step back. Obviously, Utah is not going to be what they were. So that'll be interesting as we kind of be like who, like someone obviously is going to have to be number one in offense. But uh, who is that going to be? Who are those absolute top tier offenses going to be? I mean, even in the playoffs, right? Like Golden State's offense was really good for a lot of the playoffs they were below the median in offense over the course of the season during the regular season so that's one theme uh that i'm going to be thinking about any other kind of just big question marks big overarching themes that have occurred to you i've got a couple uh another big one is the the disparity between the regular season and the playoffs like this is not playoff predictions this is not the teams that i think will be good then this is and i mean especially considering we have some injuries now but i will say an important consideration for me is more so than like oh do you have defensive versatility or something like that it's like do you have good defensive players because things are going to turn around guys are going to get hurt everything else and so functional depth and like do you have a theory of the case on offense and defense that the average team will have some problems with those are two big factors for me because it doesn't matter if a team can figure you out because in the regular season you're only going to play everyone a maximum four times and they're very rarely going to be all in sequence yeah and i do like part of the reason why this has become somewhat of a vexing exercise and i do hope it's going to be a little bit better this year uh, for a number of reasons uh, than it was before but when i say it I mean, the disparity between regular season performance and what these teams really are at their best with everyone healthy, trying as hard as they can, no resting in the playoffs. And I do think there are going to be more teams that are we don't necessarily expect to be at the absolute top at the playoffs, really trying in the regular season where that's really important to them or teams that just will function better in the ecosystem that is regular season basketball. But again, I'm hoping at least that like the regular season will be a little bit closer to playoff basketball just because we're not hopefully going to have the same crazy number of COVID absences and it's just going to be a little bit more normal of a season. You know, we've talked about how like like kind of 65 games is the most you can expect for some of these guys. Like, you know, hopefully that'll be seven, right? Hopefully that'll be the standard again, where we've just had the last two and a half season, all of these weird absences. So um, anything else that's coming to mind for you in general? I mean, remembering that the season is not the same in terms of like, you brought up the 65 game thing. I think that's very instructive, but the idea that like not everybody's going to play in every game. And so how well can you, whether planned or unplanned absences and, you know, to a lesser extent, how motivated are you going to be? I mean, this is an old chestnut from me, but like if you are a 30 to 35 win team on talent, I'm going to expect that you win less than fewer than that, because generally speaking, the way that's going to work is you're going to get dragged down into the lottery and everything else. Now there's a chance. And honestly, the incentives for those teams, teams to lose at the end of the season are even more powerful than they used to be as right, opposed because, to the team because of the balance yeah, yeah because of, because that's the weird kind of counterbalance to the equalization of lottery is that you that you actually can yeah. can really benefit there in a yeah, weird like way if you have the eighth worst record you've got a pretty decent chance of getting in the top four if you're the 11th worst record like you know probably not right and and i didn't spend too much time this year thinking about the dividing lines in terms of like the eighth best team the 10th best team and because because that can 
can be a part of gaming it out because like I, I mentioned before being a 35 one team in certain structures that could actually be a really dangerous place if you're picking an under because they might be close enough to fight for the play in and maybe even get in that has happened that can happen too but you know you think about injuries and everything else that can happen and the other part of it it's an old an old rule of thumb for me that generally has served me well though definitely not last year which is like you think about like the reasonable ceiling and four like if I don't think a team can win five more games or I don't think they can credibly lose five more games then I should feel pretty good about going that you know that way so it's like if it's like for me it's really hard to like if I think it's a 31 win team and their line is at 30.5 it's like mm, you know those sorts of things so last thing I wanted to say too and we're doing we're starting off here with the east but this applies to teams all over the place but maybe more so in the east. um you've obviously got some significant players coming back from injury yes uh you know Ben Simmons Jamal Murray Kawhi Leonard like an inordinate number of guys that were at an all-star level key players on good teams Zion Williamson coming back that we just haven't seen in a year and how are they going to look uh, we just uh, really have no idea most of these players are guys who should be relatively in their prime Maybe Kawhi is a little bit past it so that's that's one and then the other one too is there are a lot of teams with some of the big trades uh that have occurred whether it's the, the Simmons Harden trade whether you know there's a lot of movement at the deadline last year and then obviously a lot of move by a trade this offseason and so now we have a lot of teams that a are new and b have a lot of talent on them but also really questions about the fit of that talent and whether they'll be as much or less than the sum of their parts you know, i would say the knicks are in that category brooklyn is in that category with the two probably gonna have two non-shooters on the floor atlanta the murray trey fit you know who, who knows uh, on that one they're gonna be playing a little bit different of a style new orleans uh, are they gonna have enough shooting like zion's such a, a unique player and uh, we haven't seen him play with any of these guys they have another traditional center cleveland with the two bigs and then nobody at the three and then two small guards minnesota with the two bigs so there are a lot lot of teams like that where we're just like i mean hey this is a lot of talent on paper shit like these guys could be awesome but all right is it really gonna fit together do we know that like sometimes teams can find that alchemy sometimes they can't and we mentioned atlanta let's get to them now our odds with the exception of boston come from william hill uh those those are the most current ones that i could find sometimes you'll see some of these over-unders when the odds are posted rather than move the line the they'll change the payouts uh, for either the over or under depending on which way people are going William Hill is the best one I could find in terms of actually moving the lines and not having the payouts on one side or the other be totally unequal um so and this uh, I looked at these late Saturday night uh September 24th so hopefully these are up to date and then our Boston line is going to come from DraftKings because they were off the board with all the Udoka stuff and I know there's a bunch of news that's piled up as well we'll get to that of course in line because that's all gonna affect these teams over unders what is the over-under for the 2022-23? Well, the Atlanta Hawks last year won 43 games. They had the differential of a 44.6 win team per Queen in the Glass that filters out garbage time and kind of projects it based on the, the differential. And their over-under is set pretty close to that, actually, even with the DeJounte Murray trade at 46.5. Yeah, so the theory, I think 
behind these guys being good is they were the number two offense a year ago and they added an all-star guard you know if you do want to be that reductive hey they should be just as good or better on offense and uh that guy's a, a lot better on defense so the defense should be better they'll get better health from deandre henner and clint capella and anyeka okongu is going to play more as well and uh john collins should play more you know the team they were by the playoffs like there's a, a bad taste in the mouth from the playoffs but they were super injured at that point that people kind of forget so hey why won't these guys be better would you say their differential was from last year they were plus 1.5 so that's the differential of a 44.6 win team yeah so hey you added an all-star guard you had some of these issues last year yeah why, why are you not gonna be uh a 47 win team which is what they would have to hit to go over here what, what do you think of that well I, I think another part of that argument and this is to me the part that actually Dejounte murray helps the most with even if i think he's his capacity here is overstated a bit is that the hawks they were second in offense last year despite falling off an absolute cliff as they have basically every year when trey young was off the floor so last year they had a 119.3 offensive rating when he was on the floor and they were i think like a 109 roughly when he sat which was not great and Dejounte murray even though you know the idea is that they're putting to play together he should raise their floor you know they lost delon Wright, but murray should do a better job there but the concern with all of that kind of offensive stuff is that, yes, they added DeJounte Murray, but through that and other transactions, they lost Herter, they lost Gallinari, they lost Delon Wright, and they didn't really replace them. And the other concern for the Hawks is that they don't really have a ton in the way of like other options. Like It seemed like they were overstuffed at the two, and now I think they're kind of understuffed at the two, other than, of course, DeJounte, if we're seeing him as a shooting guard. Yeah, I mean, but he kind of doesn't necessarily do what two do as much right uh and, and you know he's going to need to improve as a spot-up shooter the other problem too is bogdan bogdanovich has this injury didn't play for serbia we don't know how much he's going to be playing early on in the season he's been plagued by this knee stuff uh since he had that hyper extension early in his hawks tenure in, in the 21 season and yeah i mean you just look at yeah they've got some decent deeper bench guys like justin holiday who struggled to shoot some last year you know mo harkless isn't a great shooter jalen johnson if he's going to be their backup for he's He's not going to be a great shooter either so they really like the only guy on this team there's really two guys on this team who like really scare you as shooters one is trey and hopefully he can play off the ball more to utilize that and the other one is bogdan and we don't know exactly what we're going to get from him so i i think and also trey's a guy we've he's always played in a spread pick and roll system and he's been very very effective in that system just a great passer his shooting really improved last year but can he do it when he's out there with maybe two guys that you don't need to guard that much at, at the arc and also he took some big steps forward as a shooter last year as well particularly from three that made up for a big drop in foul drawing uh in part due to the changes in the bullshit foul drawing rule so i think uh you know he may not have the same quality of season i mean he was unbelievable last year in the regular season as an offensive player so i do think they're going to take a significant step back on i don't think they're going to be a top five i don't I, i'll push back <coughs> i think there's a chance that they're pretty that they're very, still very good on offense and that Trey does well I think some of the limitations but he was spectacular obviously there and then we'll also see how some of the availability stuff shifts for them I mean we saw extended absences for John Collins DeAndre Hunter and Bogdan Bogdanovich last year I mean you brought up Bogdanovich not healthy to start this year so we'll have to see that 
so that it, but Herter was healthy and he's obviously off the team now. And the other big question for me is, you know, you brought up the, the defensive part of it. So last year they were 26th when they were 16th the year before. And one quick note there, the year the Hawks made the conference finals, they actually basically, cause it was a prorated season. They basically won the equivalent of 46.5 games. It's a really funny coincidence that it's just basically the exact same as their over under this year. So it like we have seen the Hawks be almost exactly this good, but we did see it once and having hopefully more a more healthy Akongwu is there. But you're also like there's an interesting thing with the Hawks. And this will come up with a couple other teams where like I, I kind of threw around the idea of like, does the passage of time help them? And obviously it does with Trey. And if DeAndre Hunter can take a step forward, that'd be great. But with especially Capella and Bogdanovich, like there is some age related downside risk here, especially when they don't really have a good Bogdanovich replacement. I think that's true. Um, And I also like for their offense, I just don't see how the math is going to really work out for them. I mean, even last year, they're only 18 three point attempt rate and but they shot their second in the NBA in three point. I just don't think they have the personnel to get there this season, whether it's regression from Trey DeJounte Murray is, you know, he's not going to be above 35% in all likelihood. He's going to have to take some you know, deandre hunter his as wax and wayne throughout it, his career uh you know again the bench got like losing gallinari you know going from gallinari on the second unit to jalen johnson or mo harkless at the four i mean that's a big difference uh you know losing herder he's kind of replaced by like murray and justin holiday like that's a big difference um also i would say i do think they could be a little bit better on the offensive glass this year with if they can get full seasons i do think their defensive rebounding is going to be eh, the middle of the pack like it was last year they they certainly aren't going to force any more turnovers on defense. That was a big, um, I don't think they're going to be, eh, they, they should be about as good at getting the line. Well, maybe not because Gallo was always still okay with at that. that but but there could, goal, there so. could be a part of that, that we'll see with the We'll see where the foul rule, you know, end game is here, but they, yeah. they could be, that could affect them more than almost anyone. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, and, and I think they were a little bit over their heads uh, last year offensively as well. So it just, and then not only just the math of not making sh- as many shots, but but then just the lack of spacing as well from just not having as many threats. And then defensively, yeah, I think they should be better, but I don't see them getting into the top half necessarily. So I'm, I, when I was, went on the show with uh, Brad Roland, I said 45 wins. I don't really feel that much str- more strongly about these. Like Kevin Pelton's productions actually like them pretty well. I think they got them in the top five in the East. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go with the under for the Atlanta. I think this is a well-set line. Like, I think it's very possible that the Hawks win total is right in this range. But A, because Trey Young was really healthy last year, he missed fewer than 10 games, and because... I worry about how these pieces fit together. And then one name we haven't mentioned yet is Nate McMillan. Like, I, I don't think of Nate McMillan as somebody who's going to optimize on either end of the floor. Is yep. and, and so right. I think like, they're going to do is, is he going to like not stagger DeJounte and Trey? That would be right. Exactly. Cool. So, right. I, I mean, the possibilities of those sorts of things not working. And so, yes, they, there's plenty of I, I said this is a well-set line. There's plenty of reason to believe as Pelton's model and all that had that the Hawks can go over this. But I'm going to go under as well. Yeah, and that you know they lost Delon Wright, and they are replacing him with Murray. But Wright did play 1,400 minutes right. last year, and you know gave them something as a point of attack defender to some degree. So you know, and again, just the the fit of Murray and Trey. I'm not. I think Murray's a little overrated too. So that's kind of that's kind of my thought. I think because that's probably the biggest reason. If the consensus is to have the Hawks at 46 and a half, based on what the world thinks Dejounte Murray is compared to what I think he is. I'm okay to go on it. So where'd you end up again? Under. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a, a, at least uh, one one where I'm not going to, I know I'm not going to lose to you. 
Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences, hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz, find your perfect mattress in under two minutes, and it's shipped straight to your door, free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside these things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us 
Okay, next up here, the Boston Celtics. Let's talk about their news first. The explosive news that Ime Udoka is suspended for the season. His future with the Celtics in question after that. Uh, it was due to, as uh, Shams called it, an improper consensual relationship with a female member of the team staff. But unfortunately, that then at, at some point later devolved, according to Shams, according to where Udoka made what he termed inappropriate comments, at least the woman involved thought the comments were inappropriate uh apparently the relationship was known to Celtics staffers beginning a couple of months ago but then you know it seems like things turned sour in this way uh so he is now suspended they're going to decide his future beyond this season later date and I mean this isn't really relevant to the over-unders but I I would say for all these people who are like oh yeah but what he did surely wasn't that bad and like you know how could he be suspended for a year like let's compare him to sarver you just don't know what the fuck you're talking about. like you don't you don't know what happened clearly it, the reporting is very minimal i mean do you think that the boston celtics wanted to spend their head coach who just took under the nba finals that ever every player on the team loves you think they wanted to suspend him for a year that they wouldn't have tried well, to and, find and a way out of doing that if they well, if it and, were remotely appropriate and especially when they just lost their top assistant to the utah jazz yeah i, I mean like you you just um ethan strauss wrote, wrote a great piece on again the espn and cea connections no surprise that shams was the one reporting or it's come as close to reporting as he as has been out there what Udoka did but you know this is i this is clearly something beyond oh you know it, it, they should have reported it to hr and they didn't uh no no it's it's beyond that and you know again i i recommend reading ethan's piece about just how Woj just carrying the caa water again for yudoka on this and you know clearly he did something inappropriate like he apologized he said he accepted the discipline uh i think everyone like surely if the celtics could have buried this story they would have done so i don't know that we're ever going to find out precisely what he did what kind of investigation there's going to be would woman he was involved with like sue him or sue the team with the what took place so it's just and again there are a bunch of rumors flying around as to you know uh who may have been involved and all that i mean i i understand why people are doing that because this is like people want to know what he did you want to know like that's a natural human curiosity to know what he did because it's not out there like people want to get to the bottom like what did he do he's got suspended for a year like anyone would want to know that clearly just you know throwing names at a dartboard is inappropriate but it's just sometimes you just have to accept that you don't know and look at the incentives involved and conclude that hey you know what they probably did what needed to be done here and you know particularly if they're like hey we might not even bring him back after this season significant financial penalty and all this like maybe reporting more reporting will come out maybe it won't but again to say oh this is an inappropriate penalty for him like you just don't know what the fuck you're talking and if you do then fucking report it and say what you think you know about what he did and why it's not that bad but no one has done that so you should probably just shut up if you're not broadly in agreement i will mention that i did a real gym radio with jared weiss of the athletic and a lot of it was about ime udoka and the the ripples there and one point that we ended up discussing which is kind of ties in with the 
low-end disaster potential with the Celtics is the idea that this is a team-inflicted punishment rather than a league-inflicted one, because that means that theoretically, as we understand it, the team could revise it. And so if things go badly, does that create even more friction? Because this is not a circumstance like when Steve Kerr underwent back surgery and he was physically unable to be with the team, where it's like, this person is theoretically available and they're not happy with Missoula or something else. And then the, the you know, the Tatum, Brown, whoever, it's just like, well, this guy's right here. And then it creates an, a weird version of friction with the franchise that we've basically never seen before. Yeah. And also, I mean, we've talked about this with players, but bringing Joe Missoula up for the assistant, now who's taking his job, right? And as you mentioned, they already lost Will Hardy to Utah. And clearly, they, if, they, if they had known about this, they would have filled out the bench differently or, you know, obviously maybe promoted Hardy and prevented him from going to Utah, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's interesting. You know, Missoula has his own skeletons in the closet as well from his time at, at West Virginia, including uh, domestic violence, which he basically admitted to. And, you know, that's when he was 20 years old and he hasn't had a clean record since then. And, you know, Dan talked about this a little bit in our daily dunks, but that he's writing now. But that brings up some thorny questions in the same way that Chauncey Billups hire did last season as well. So, yeah, on the floor, you know, Udoka, I thought it was just really good as a communicator. The vibes in Boston were really good. You know, guys like Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart have been prickly at times. Jalen Brown is two years left on his contract. You don't know what is the extension situation is he was in the talks for kevin durant as well they've got some new guys coming in like malcolm brogdon who's chafed at his role at times left milwaukee to have more of an on-ball role although i think all these perimeter guys have plenty of playing time as we're going to get to here so that's all this is not great for a celtics team that i thought was a no-brainer pick to have the best record in the nba this season when jared and i talked a month and a half ago and now we've got some other news and that includes rob williams going under the knife once again well and not only going under the knife but we got a revision of his absence in the same press conference as the more explosive Imeodoka stuff which is basically that he's going to be out let's call it two to three months and this not only is that a long time for Williams to be out they don't really have a capable replacement on roster right now but also this to me has the outline of something that they are going to aggressively manage throughout the rest of the regular season the Celtics know that their success is defined by May and June and so as long as they get into the dance and I firmly believe that they will I think they're going to be doing a lot of that with minimal Robert Williams yeah and John and I talked about this when we thought it was four to six weeks and it was going to be a cleanup. oh by the way John Hollinger is joining Dunked on Prime we're bringing the Hollinger Duncan podcast over to Dunked on Prime it will be available on Dunked on Prime almost exclusively and I highly encourage those of you who are monthly members to take advantage of our John Hollinger presale our first episode is gonna be the week of October 11th so you can sign up for a one-time only rate that we will not offer again once John actually starts so highly encourage you to do that. We're trying to encourage monthly listeners to sign up for yearly because that saves us on the Stripe transaction costs. And also we want to just better serve our most dedicated listeners by reducing the yearly price compared to monthly. But yeah, this is now eight to 12 weeks. That is not a cleanup. They probably went in there. They saw some shit. Apparently people are like, oh, why didn't you do this earlier? Well, probably because after the NBA finals, he, he rested for a long time and then tried to ramp up again and discovered this. I'm sure they did MRIs. They didn't see anything, but apparently when they went in there, they definitely saw something. I don't know if that was more meniscus issue. Remember he had a meniscus trim and you know I've railed many times about the four to six week timeline and him coming back and he's clearly playing 
someone like clearly more damage was caused during his play in the playoffs because you know obviously if they saw that damage in the four to six week surgery initially in March they would have taken care of it but we've probably talked enough about the whole thing of like the propriety of him playing or not playing and that is a decision that he and the Celtics made I, I wish he, that decision had been more informed at least if he accurately said to Chris Haynes what he was actually told the idea of like not making it worse that that was bullshit but what does this mean now as we turn to this Celtics 22-23 season it means that the front court rotation for the Celtics is really in flux because the only other kind of big they remember they traded daniel tice the only other like big that kind of they have available who was not in their rotation already is luke Cornette. and this is already a really expensive team it's not like they can just like poof and get a, a really good player also it's a little late in the game for them to just like get one of the backup centers it's like oh you're gonna get some starter shine here nope too bad they're already they're already signed other places i don't think there's anybody that's like i a, do think they could look at hassan whiteside sure yeah. they could look at whiteside but, and yeah. he's not as defensively versatile but that doesn't necessarily matter and, and the celtics do have some roster spots as i understand it um so that's a it, it's a real concern and like how are they how is missoula gonna gonna handle this is like i mean brad stevens too i mean like are you gonna add personnel or how are you gonna how are you gonna manage it is a real problem but the celtics do have a ton of other defensive talent i mean this is an incredibly loaded team they have some of the best perimeter defenders in the league. And even though Malcolm Brogdon doesn't really add to that part of the ledger, they have enough guys to handle the on-ball pressure with Smart and with Jalen Brown and, of course, with Derek White. So it is going to be a challenge for them offensively and defensively. And it was funny because the line, like, I'm sure Ime Udoka getting suspended for the year is a, is a part of why the line went down. I mean, for, I think I the last time I had seen this as I was doing my prep was at 55 kind of before everything happened. And I was going to say over one of my best bets in the league. But then the thing that actually gives me more pause on this, and it's at 53.5 as we're recording this, is the Robert Williams part of this. And one other note is that the Celtics actually, as great as their defense was, and they deserved almost all of the plaudits that came with that, in terms of the things that are sustainable, they were actually pretty lucky. They had the second lowest opponent three-point percentage. And the idea generally is that you can control how many – you can't control – how well a team your opponent shoots from three. It's going to equalize over time. And there have been many cases where it's thought that a defense is really bad or really good, and then the regression of the mean kind of goes through that. However, I think they have a ton of defensive talent. They also got better over the course of the year. So I'm still an over, but it went from being one of my best bets to being a little bit shakier. Yeah, I, I predicted these guys with Jared for 56 wins and to lose in the finals. He predicted them for 61, and obviously this before any of this Udoka or Rob Williams stuff came out and yeah i mean it's gonna be a problem too i think they're gonna have to play al horford way too much so probably grant williams will probably get some backup center minutes i think now they do have a lot of perimeter depth uh, on guys who can move up but the hope was oh we're gonna be able to take it a lot easier for jason tatum and jalen braun this year well now jason tatum is probably gonna have to play a, a fair amount of four at least in their best lineups so that that's a little bit of an issue i mean i guess they're gonna start grant williams and al horford probably so yeah this is the one position really where they just don't don't have the depth then yeah you know what you could play brogdon and white together in the backcourt more and you know marcus smart is perfectly capable of defending the three and so i, I think like they, they definitely have the ability to weather this i think they're going to generally just be a little bit more of an offensive team now you know if you're playing al horford at the five you're probably spreading the floor out a, a little bit more um but yeah i mean what really made this defense just so incredibly good in the regular season last year was rob williams and he was as good as he was at times in the playoffs 
playoffs. He was playing on one leg, but he was so good during that period where they were amassing blowout after blowout. And in the end, they won eight fewer games than expected. The point differential, a 59-win team last year. And that was with just basically starting 500, right? Weren't they like 19 and 21, I think, at one point? And then they went on this completely insane run down the end of the season. So the line is... And this is the one we got from DraftKings, 53 and a half. Oh, man. You know, Tatum also is like kind of an Iron Man. He plays a lot of games. I do think they're going to try to reduce his load a bit. Horford, like if Horford goes down, then what do they do? But I think like they've got a lot more offense talent, right? Like I don't think they're going to be, a, you know, obviously the number one defense, right? That's what I was relying on when I picked them to have the best record in the NBA. But they were 10th on offense. I expect that to get better. Yeah, I mean, I think there's just too much talent here. I think I think it does still have to be. The, um, They are more vulnerable to injuries too maybe i could also just see them making a move as well in some respect i mean even even just getting in like some placeholder center from some other team at some point that seems like it, it could happen so yeah i guess i'll go over it don't feel good about it though speaking of don't feel good about it the brooklyn nets <laughs> brooklyn nets last year 44 win team differential of a 44 win team but that is with durant playing 55 games Kyrie Irving playing 29 games ben simmons playing zero james harden playing 44 and importantly joe harris playing 14 last year um, a couple other quick considerations for the Nets. They were actually kind of lucky on defense. They were in the top yeah, 10 for lowest opponent three-point percentage and long two percentage. Um, and generally speaking, teams can't control that. And then they um, they added Royce O'Neal and TJ Warren. We'll see how healthy he is. Well, they lost Bruce Brown, Andre Drummond, and Goran Dragic. I mean, and they had that stretch before the Harden trade where either Harden was Harden was like basically not playing, then Kyrie was in there. They had also all of these, like their depth was so bad last year as well. Not only was it bad, but also just the pieces didn't really fit together. They never had a stretch four to play five out. Harris at least gives you decent defense. And obviously as a premium shooter, he never contributed last season. Kyrie obviously missed most of the time. I mean, they had like a stretch where they lost like, what, like Tina 50 games, just something completely insane like that had it not been for that you know they probably would have been you know closer to a 50 win type of reign let me ask you this danny Kyrie irving kevin durant and ben simmons let's say they all play at least 65 games at the level that they've that we would hope that they would what is this team then i would say between 53 and 56 wins i mean i think it might be higher could be i mean the um, defensive philosophy is still a real problem yeah no that's that's true i mean and th- like i talked about in the open my big concern about this team is and and said it with Ben Simmons uh, ever since he's been in the league and particularly uh, after that 2019 playoff series that he's just such a hard guy to fit around now if anyone could do it it's Durant and Kyrie and the numbers with those two guys on the floor last year offensively even with the massive flaws that they had were fantastic I mean just like top of the league type of levels and that's been the case even without Harden since they've been together these last two years so if those guys stay healthy I think the offense should be pretty good one of those two guys goes down and all of a sudden like you're really kind of wondering now uh Simmons should give them more of a transition element we just don't even know if he's gonna be healthy right like I mean that's and you know what's gonna happen the first time he gets fouled you know, he went on JJ Reddick's podcast recently and you know I think it was good for him to at least address some of the things like this is the first time we've heard from him in any kind of an interview setting 
since game seven against the Hawks in 2021. So we have not heard anything. Like, I think this is like the first actual quote he's given in any format since. So I think that's good that he was able to do that. And, but also there's still a lot of mystery around what was going on with him last year when he came to the Nets and like, was he ready to play? Was he not? And then he had the surgery. And, you know, generally when you're going to have a back surgery, that means there's something wrong with you, but the, still the messaging was weird. And then, you know, KD might remember he uh, asked for a trade. <laughs> remember that and Kyrie is like Kyrie almost seems like the most stable of those three guys right now because he's clearly like you know pushing to reestablish himself and, and get a good contract but I don't know if he can overcome his better nate or his worst nature either. I mean I think this is a 56 57 win team when healthy uh even if I do have the defensive question marks and the fact they're probably gonna have two non-shooters on the floor most of the time and they got questions at the big positions but I, I mean they should be just a, those two guys are healthy they're gonna be a really good offense I think um and there's a possibility of age related regression for both guys too but then you get into like the craziness aspect and I just don't know how to account for that but I I think and should we get into like just some of the depth that they added as well I think you mentioned uh like tj warren oh another huge fucking question mark right like uh royce o'neill should at least be able to give them some rotation minutes they brought back patty mills which was weird they said seth curry wasn't on this team last year so i just i don't know man you go first over <laughs> they're too good over yeah over like i gonna i need to have uh, i think it's just the availability is just what i'm done i still think they could be amazing you know even harris is coming back from surgery seth curry had surgery as well warren is coming back for injury i mean you've got look at how many guys you have coming off of like major missing time injury season they're only center that's established at all is nick claxton he's a terrible fit with simmons i don't know if they have the like ben simmons i don't think is like a defensive center uh they don't like if they have mills and curry so like switching doesn't really work that well defensively yeah i'm gonna go under fuck it i'm not betting on these guys our first difference and i like the top of that sheet baby i actually have it full screen so for whatever reason i can't right now oh there we go now i can (laughs) but while as i'm doing that we can move on to the charlotte hornets and this was actually one of the most surprising lines on the board for me because the hornets last year they were 43 and 39 they had the differential of a 44 win team and they were mostly healthy other than gordon hayward stop me if you've heard that before and of course the most significant shift in their roster is actually one that is i guess we could call it a version of unresolved which is whatever the hell is going on with miles bridges my assumption is that he will not play for the hornets this year yeah As- that's my assumption too i i talked about this with hollinger last week that i think he should just take the qualifying offer before october 1st just to be in the nba start the clock on to be an unrestricted free agent next year i don't foresee any other scenario in which he's in the nba this year unless he he takes that qualifying offer and hey if he can plead out of this which you know again we could be facing significant jail time here but the nba collective bargaining agreement discipline can't happen until there's actually a legal adjudication so if you start the clock on that while you're on this qualifying offer get that out of the way and then hopefully you can reestablish your career next year it's gonna have to almost certainly be somewhere other than charlotte i would say but regardless yeah whether it's due to suspension not being signed whatever i don't expect him to play for the hornets this season well, and the yeah. other the other big change is they changed their coach. And while we thought it was originally going to be James Brego to Kenny Atkinson, it is now Steve Clifford. And something Steve Clifford has done is, you know, raise defensive floors, which could, of course, help the Charlotte Hornets here. But so what was so surprising is, you know, you have all these elements. And of course, there's uncertainty with Miles Bridges. I'm like, oh, OK, my thought was it was going to be like a 44 or 45 win line. And I was going to hammer the under. Nope. Set at 35 and a half. I didn't think it was going to be that high. Uh, and, and I do think there's like Charlotte, they lost Montrezl Harrell. 
Hall they traded for, so they don't really have much of a solution at backup center. Hayward is a big question mark as usual, but I haven't heard anything about him not being healthy coming into this. But everyone else should be like Lamelo Ball quietly took a big step forward during the regular season, and I know Charlotte got completely destroyed in the play-in, and Borrego got fired, and then they've had nothing but bad publicity since then. Atkinson bailing out the Bridges thing, and, and Bridges is a good player. I expected him to get a max or close to max contract and i it still was more though i think about the potential he showed just watching him on film as as a ball handler and, and an athlete than him like really really helping the hornets win like i don't know if he's like an absolutely elite player he's not you know a five win type of player i don't think particularly because this team has reasonable wing depth behind him with ray hayward jalen mcdaniels cody martin james but uh, i'm sorry uh <laughs> and, and you know I, I think there are plenty of guys who can get better on this team still if you know, center mason plumley probably get a little bit worse but pj washington as a backup center could get better so i think i don't see why these guys would be wins worse here and, and they weren't particularly lucky maybe you could say they shot above their heads a little bit from three because they're one of the better shooting teams in the nba but they got good shooters and, and they're gonna play a pretty offensive style you think even with clifford and hopefully he can clean up some of the lack of discipline defensively so yeah i mean i, I think this is too low um you know i'm not necessarily gonna pick them to be better than the knicks i don't think i need to just think about them a little bit more when i talk to hopefully spencer percy about them waiting to do that until after we find out whether the bridges qualifying offer thing happens or not but yeah i mean i think you got to agree that is a it seems like this is a line of course hornets over baby has killed us before but in this case i think that there are kind of public reasons bad pr reasons that are overshadowing the actual difference in this roster i agree and especially while a bridges absence would hurt they actually have a lot of capable forwards and so Ubre and mcdaniels and pj washington like those guys stepping in they're not going to be as good for sure and losing the I, I mean i guess you'd argue that bridges was the second best player in their team last year that sucks but they have enough to kind of paper over that and they you know that i don't think bridges is the reason they were successful when they were offensively last year and i don't think he was like the key reason that their defense was good because their defense wasn't good and so i i think they'll be able to paper over those things really well so i i, I don't know yet if i'm going to pick this as one of my best bets it just seems like it's way too low a line and i understand the pressure and, you know, part of what Vegas is trying to do is set a line that you'll get equal betting on both sides. But you have that. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all of my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns you can customize. Things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use your 
cap space we talk about all the time here on the program you get 10 off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that cap space code to let them know that you came from us at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. And then the line that made me the most angry was the Chicago Bulls. Because the Bulls last year, they went 46 and 36. But by the way, quick quick aside, you just mentioned angry in the Bulls. My sister, as a much younger person, she was like two or three years old, and my dad and I would be watching Bulls games. She would see the logo, and she called them the angry cows, <laughs> which was pretty funny. That's fantastic. <laughs> but so, so the Bulls last year, they were 46 and 36. But as we talked about a fair amount during last year's season, they had the they had actually a negative clean the glass point differential so that that lines up more with like a 40 40 and a half win team and so my thought was again it's going to be you know like they won 46 last year they were you know kind of depending on how you how you classify importance of players like DeRozan was healthy Levine was dealing with an injury but mostly played Vooch was pretty healthy but then Caruso Lonzo and Pat Williams all missed a ton of time so I was like, okay, you know, they're going to be optimistic. Yeah, they playoff run, but they were hurt and everything like that. It'll be set in the mid-40s, and I'll go under. Instead, it's 42 and a half, and I'm like, shit, that's actually a good line. I'm going to go under anyway. Uh, I picked him for 40 wins on the pod with Rob Schaefer. He had 43, and there are just so many health question marks here. And, I mean, th- like, they, they had the point differential of a 41-win team last year, and I just struggle to see why they would better than they were a year ago. Since Rob and I recorded, the news has come out that Lon ball is going to be reevaluated not going to miss but reevaluated in four to six weeks after uh he's i can't remember if he's had the surgery yet or he just did have it because you know i'm waiting with bated breath to see whether they say it's successful or not in the press release yeah but i almost feel like better that lonzo is having the surgery i mean maybe this is one of these fuck it like he he's not getting any better we better just do the surgery and see what we can find in there and try to do something for him and maybe there's something that's not showing up on the mri or whatever so maybe i shouldn't necessarily feel better about it but clearly he was at a point where he wasn't improving and they needed to do something i was like well if he can't ramp up like are they just going to keep doing this like is he going to rehab extremely slowly miss the year so maybe there's a little more hope like they can this is going to fix what ails him i mean the other hope or the not hope but the other way to look at that is like well third surgery on the knee and it might just fuck um but i think knowing that he has the surgery i actually have like slightly more optimism for him to come back and contribute this year but he'll clearly be on a minute's limit he's going to miss a bunch of games i mean i think you're if, if you're gonna say my over under for games played for him is probably 35 uh so but i mean in theory he could come back but he's not gonna play back to backs he'll be he's never gonna play more than 30 minutes in a game and they, he's their one two-way player they really need him he's the guy who really juices their fast break which was under reason underrated reason and then zach levine is coming off knee surgery what's he gonna look like uh, you know, of course he couldn't make it worse 
Uh, and there was nothing on the MRI, but then, you know, he had to have surgery after, but there was nothing on the MRI before. What was going on? But he got the max contract anyway. DeRozan won't be as good. And I, I just struggle to see how they're going to be elite on defense either. You know, they, they, I mean, they can play some defensive lines when their offense is not being good. So, I, I mean, I, I basically have these guys as like, you know, maybe slightly above average on offense, low average on defense. Like, I, I kind of see them as like, you know, 10th to 12th on offense and like 18th to 23rd on defense, basically right around 500. So, I think. Uh, I'm going to go go under particularly because I again I think the the health stuff is something always seems to happen to them as well Caruso can only play so many minutes I don't think they're going to get anything from Dale and Terry either Dragic is another health risk guy and performance guy at his age um, I'm not a Patrick Williams believer yet uh, on either end it's really like for him to get to be above average on defense and slightly below average on offense would take a major leap that I just don't think is necessarily in him uh, I've just not been a believer in him like if he if he blows up then that's probably I think the biggest way I could be wrong and Levine blowing up would be the other way so yeah I, I feel well, pretty decent about this under I'm two and a half under this might even be a best bet you can celebrate Bulls fans because I'm picking the under two and so you know how that can go um but for me the other big factor is age-related regression from DeRozan and Vooch where you know if DeRozan is worse this year than he significantly worse than he was last year and he was great last year I mean he was an all-NBA level player if he does that again they'll probably be pretty good if he takes a step below that they don't I mean Levine is the only guy who can make up that gap and they're not going to be good enough defensively to me especially if some of these support guys who are so important are unavailable so yeah I'm going to go under I'm not as strong on it as you it's not going to be one of my best bets but i i do believe in it and we can stay in the central division with the cleveland cavaliers the Cavs last year 44 and 38 but they had the differential of a 46 win team they were pretty healthy overall. Jared Allen only played in 56 games, but they did have a bunch of injuries at the same time, which partially tanked their tanked the record. Of course, they added Donovan Mitchell. And importantly, in terms of their regular season over-under, I'm going to say, I'm going to put a little pin in this. Robin Lopez, Hull Neto, and Ricky Rubio, especially Lopez and Neto, could end up being really important here because part of what happened with the Cavs last year was that when they had their injuries, they just didn't have guys that could step up. And so the, the over-under set at 47 and a half. I'll just start here. It's it's an over for me, and it's one of my best bets. Yeah, I'm not going to go that far. I, I picked them for 48 with uh, Fedor last week, and I do have some concerns that their defense is not going to be what it was. That's probably my biggest reason that I, that I have some concerns. I think they're just, to get enough shooting on the floor, you're probably going to have to be playing Garland and Mitchell and someone who can't defend at three. And then once you go, like I think their defense can still be pretty good when you have both Mobley and Allen on the floor but I do think it's probably going to reiterate beyond that. I think Robin Lopez makes a huge difference for me there. I think they'll have good rim, rim protection on the floor at all times. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, Lopez isn't like the best role center though. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what how much Lopez has left either. Um, you know, I think most games are going to try to just play Evan Mobley as the backup center and play him with Kevin Love. Like Lopez is going to be the fourth. Um, and I could even see him playing less and they played Dean Wade at the, actually just got extended. Um, you know, that's probably talked about later, but you got the John contracts and basically a three-year 18 million which I think was a, a good deal for both sides and very close to the terms we talked about before we tabled it because we thought they might use cap space in the mock extension yeah I mean that's probably the biggest 
consequence of this is that it makes it even less likely that they're going to use cap space to try to get that three next year but they only would have had about 16 million before this they could have used wade's low cap hold uh, of only the minimum to and then re-signed him but still using cap space next year means no kevin love no karis lavert coming back either so yeah I, I think this team is like we talked about in the open or i did at least possibly gonna be less than some of their parts the thing that really but i still am going to go over just due to the talent that's here and this is going to be and this, i talked about this with chris too donovan mitchell like what do you think the Cavs over on I, I didn't look at it but i wonder what the Cavs over under was before they got i'm guessing it was around 45 right it's like so they just got donovan mitchell like that's a three win difference in the over under like it, it probably was lower honestly i'm guessing Cavs are not like public but still like donovan mitchell was he's had some huge playoff moments he's been the main offensive engine admittedly with good pieces around him but it's not like they had another all-star he's been their best player on the best offense in the nba the last two three years and yeah he's not gonna have quite as much space around but they certainly can get to some lineups of pretty good spacing around him he'll probably be the backup point guard in a lot of a lot of these groups so like if he's really that good like maybe he's better than everyone thinks he is and obviously there's a sour taste in everyone's mouth for what he's been defensively in the playoffs the last two years and he had a terrible series against dallas but as a regular season offensive player and you know his efficiency is not just like absolutely through the roof but what if he's just that good and he could even take another step forward here as he just turned 26 his age 26 season so if he and but you know if the Cavs are just like eh, you know a little bit better than they were last year when they were healthy you know maybe he's just you know it maybe is like a high rent colin sexton as, as some people have kind of pointed out that there's statistics superficially similar i i don't buy that but yeah i think that's the biggest thing is like how good is this guy once we see him well and but i mean the funny thing about him let, let's call him a, a pricier colin sexton they didn't have colin sexton last year <laughs> No, no. Uh, and people have talked about, well, you know, they didn't look that good when Sexton played. Well, Sexton also, I think he had like 42% true shooting in 10 games. Like he wasn't playing at it. So I don't, yeah. I wouldn't. And, and it was also that. in that time, like the, the, it, the sample is entirely during the time that the offense was super down and a whole bunch of other stuff. I, I don't read anything really into that. So Danny, as we get to the Detroit Pistons, we have a trade to announce. Oh yes, we do. And you know we knew that Bojan Bogdanovic was on the block that's been pretty obvious considering everyone on the Jazz that is older than 25 probably is and Danny Ainge made a different decision with Bogdanovic eventually trading him for old friend Kelly Olynyk. so now Bogdanovic is a Detroit Piston did you mention that Saban Lee was also included in the trade I did not yeah he he just to equalize the roster spots the Piston wanted, wanted to clear one up they had 16 guaranteed contracts they sent the exact same amount of his salary and cash to Utah so he'll probably be I mean I'm sure he'll have a chance to compete in camp but I'm guessing he'll probably be uh not a part of, of what the Jazz are doing necessarily this season or maybe it could be lose a few games with the rest of Utah roster ways to check out but Boyan on the Pistons I, I mean I, I guess we could talk about it first from you said it, Danny Ainge made a different decision so what do you make of this return to Utah I think just as it was the case when the Pistons signed him last offseason the argument for Kelly Olynyk can often be that he can make life easier on teammates especially offensively but I don't think that the Jazz have those guys yet they don't have Cade Cunningham they're trying to get their Cade Cunningham in the 23 draft presumably also Olynyk has some guaranteed money for the 23-24 season and so that's a it's not a huge detriment I mean the Jazz are have cleared a lot of money overall I just I don't think it makes 
it makes sense for them. And, you know, Saban Lee, I at one time was a believer in him as a backup point guard, but I really was not impressed with him in summer league. So to, I, I don't think a true first round pick was on the table because if it was, I think Danny Ainge would have been a fool to turn it down. And Danny Ainge is not a fool. But if honestly, for me, if I were running the Jazz, if this was the best offer on the table, I would have just held on. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, let's not forget, Danny Ainge drafted Kelly Linick way back oh, in 2013, yeah. over Giannis, and clearly values him. They lost him in the course of their cap space moves to get Gordon Hayward back in 2017. And yeah, I, I don't really see the value of a Linick on the Jazz. The biggest reason they did this was it got them out of the tax. Sure. And, that, and that's important, you know, kind of like in the CJ McCollum trade, it opens up things for other deals right now you're not now that you've accomplished that you're in a circumstance where the next deal you can even like take on a little bit of money i mean they were hard against i think they're actually in the tack now they are they are out of it uh by about seven million dollars so they did save a fair amount here lee had to be in there to make trade math work as well so they, they saved a bunch of money I, maybe there just were not other deals on the table the biggest one that was reported out of phoenix uh john gambadoro talked about this that phoenix wanted to get Jared Vanderbilt back in a deal for Dario Saric, Jay Crowder, and I would assume a first, uh, you know, a Phoenix first, that you know, probably this year's that wouldn't have been that good. I mean, Bogdanovich, you would think there was some more value. I agree, I might have held on to it, but maybe there's also just a feeling of, hey, like we can't burn, right? Like we need to just we need to just lose some games, and if Bogdanovich was gonna help us do that, and maybe his value wouldn't have gone up because they wouldn't have been playing him that much or something, you know, he just wasn't part of the rebuilding that they were trying to do i mean i think it's worth just noting very quickly now with the absence of bogdanovich like who is still left on this utah team they actually have a ton of guys at guard ball handling type guards they got sexton conley jordan clarkson still and then saban lee and jared butler who they probably want to play behind those guys then they got malik beasley Nikhil alexander walker oche abaji leandro bomaro those are all shooting guards basically Taylor horton tucker at the three stanley johnson Simone Fontecchio, power forward, Markinen and Vanderbilt. Rudy Gay is still on this team. And then at center, you got Yudoka Zabuke, Walker Kessler, Kelly Olenek. They also just signed Cody Zeller, <laughs> who uh, you know basically had a loss here in Portland last year. And I, hopefully he could still play a little bit, just so racked by injuries. Maybe he's done. It's kind of a weird signing. So yeah, this Utah team is still very, very odd. I'm not looking forward to doing their, their over-under. And I've been putting off uh, doing their, their outlook. Mm-hmm because it seems like this is going to have to change a lot. So uh, even without, like, they have plenty of these other guys that they just, I think, wanted to play. Maybe that's just another reason to move on from Boyan. What's he do for the Pistons? He gives them a capable shooter, gives them somebody who can be kind of a secondary tertiary. I, I would say more than capable. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, one yeah, of that's the probably shooters in the NBA. Yeah, and he can, and also secondary tertiary ball handler, limited defender. Okay, that that's not a huge deal for them. And potentially somebody that, depending on what Troy Weaver wants to do, somebody they could flip at the deadline for something else yeah you know Boyan he's a limited defender I think actually he can hold up okay if you're in like kind of a switching system with guys behind him you know like he actually like he guarded if if, if the goal is to have him stay in front of somebody though yeah well stay in front of someone who's like a quick guard in transition or something with no like he's gonna give up penetration but uh yeah I mean I think he's he's fine against you know kind of bigger wings who aren't as fast like he's he's had to guard those guys a lot he's not amazing but he's not just like a complete disaster like it's more as a help guy as a closeout guy like that's where i rebounder that's kind of more where i think it it falls off for him um but like for the type of shooter he is i think he's totally acceptable 
and he's been largely you know healthy enough in his career this is age 33 season but you know a year ago 39 percent from three on seven threes a game he has been basically uh, a 39 percent three-point shooter for his career and has never been lower than 39 percent in the last five seasons. so he, he gets him up you know, particularly at that position like he's probably gonna, he can also hold up defensively like in the post as a four like he's pretty much exactly what this pistons team needed to get better this year but i mean they got him for free they had the space it's like like you know kelly olenic wasn't really part of their plans they actually got off of olenic's money for next year they might be trying to use cap space so just looking at the asset play i mean this is fantastic but you are just kind of like all right like are we going for it this year like what are we doing exactly i i feel like that's the title of, of the last couple of years of the weaver tenure but the the pistons are the they're kind of the team i was thinking about when i talked in the open about the idea of like 30 to 35 one teams often win fewer than that just because eventually gravity gets them and i actually think that the pistons personnel you know last year they had the differential of a 22 win team they won 23 i think they're a pretty capable roster even with jeremy grant being gone now he's in portland they added you know noel and alec burks and Bogdanovich, of course, as we discussed, and they drafted Jalen I- Jaden I- uh, Ivy and Duran, and they were, you know, they were a little unlucky on opponent threes last year. So I think, you know, I th- and and we should accept, expect to see a, a reasonable step forward for Cade Cunningham, especially considering how awful his early stretch was when he was coming back from that injury. And presumably Dwayne Casey will not face as much pressure to like play Killian Hayes or some of those type of things, can play some more capable players. But I don't see like a 40 win team here. And so I, I think this yeah. is a, I think this is a reasonable line. I think the Pistons on talent are, you know, between, you know, like a 30, 35 one team. But I'm going to go under because generally that's the way this works. Yeah, it wasn't the way it worked last year. They were trying, but they were so bad at the beginning. It didn't matter. It does seem like the ethos is to show some improvement this year. I think Dwayne Casey is really going to be wanting to show some this year. Like, as I talked about with James Edwards, we're not sure about this, but we think he's going into a team option year next year. And he also makes a lot of money as a head coach. He initially got $7 million. We don't know what his extension was, but it's probably for a fair amount. You know, I think this is this year is Dwayne Casey's chance to prove that he's going to be their coach like he's he's either going to get an extension at the end of this year or it's probably going to be it uh so and particularly because he's rep by warren legary that's usually his approaching into the end of the contract how boyan is going to be used will be interesting i mean obviously you long time listeners this know that hey they probably shouldn't start marvin bagley at the four you probably want to play boyan at the four with sadiq bay cunningham Jaden ivy and a center probably isaiah stewart to start with and i think boyan can fit into like the switching that they're going to want to do a lot of defensively that seems to be the indication um you know that however the pistons did hire keith bogans uh who uh yeah. the press release said will will be in charge of substitution patterns uh particularly for marvin bagley oh because uh, bag is bagley's he, gonna be getting the mirror titch? no yeah. uh yeah so I mean, this this acquisition makes the Bagley signing just e- even more ridiculous. Like, if he were just not on the team, I would actually feel better about them. 29 and a half is a big number, though. I picked him for 28 in the pod with James Edwards, and I felt like I was more optimistic than most people. I'm not sure how much this line has moved since the Boyan ac- acquisition. And he is older. Like, he could take a step back. You're just not sure what type of role he's going to play. They could also maybe just move him again. I mean, hey, even if you get a second-round pick at the deadline, you come out ahead at this point. So, 
yeah, I think how the early part of the season goes can be really interesting too. They're, they they like it feels like they want to be in the play-in, and while the play-in mix was very high last year in terms of wins to get there, forty-three wins, is that going to be the case again this year? Like, could they be close enough that they continue pushing until the end? I also think that just the acquisition of Boyan just helps so that now they're not going to be playing and, and getting Alec Burks to like less Killian Hayes, less Hamadou Diallo. Like, this is just to add the shooting. Like, that was the thing that their biggest weakness by far and they addressed it with one of the best shooters in the nba it's also worth noting though last year what was their point differential like what last year they had the point differential of what a 22 win team yeah yeah it was and jeremy um, grant yeah they were negative eight yeah i don't agree with you as much on the incentives until maybe the last like five ten games and then maybe you run into that i also think Cade's gonna be a lot better particularly now with Boyan. like he's gonna actually have some space to work with i think i gotta go under those see it like 30 wins oh, i was really like. hoping for you to go over <laughs> well I just so that like as they're just uh you know so as, as killian hayes is in, in the, the as killian room, hayes so they... is in their crunch time lineup you're just and i'm well, you and i are sitting next to each other at chase center before the game starts and you're just imploding <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, I, I think it's just like some teams are going to have to be bad, and I, I think they're just they're not quite there yet. But they could easily go over. Like I, I yeah. do think I think their defense in particular could be right. Like, good. And I, I think their offense is not going to be that terrible. This is not even close to a best bet for me. At Bet three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Indiana Pacers. Apparently, Miles Turner is going to start this season on the team along with Buddy Heald. Their over-under is 22 and a half, Danny. That is a low number. That is a low number when you consider the Pacers last year um, had the differential of a 32.4 win team that they underperformed dramatically to go 25 and 57. Um, that is significant. And I mean, part of it for me is the belief that their offense will be capable. I mean, I think Tyrese Halliburton is, is an intriguing young guard. They, they don't have a ton of ball handling, but I think they should have enough, you know, kind of second unit type stuff. But the big concern is you talked about a lot with Caitlin Cooper on the Pacers specific pod is what in the world are they going to do defensively? Well, with Miles Turner, they might still be semicom, but if he gets traded or whenever he's not in the game and the, their overall defense last year was atrocious bottom five and they were tanking, but they weren't trying to tank too bad. It's just, I, I mean, this, this personnel is really bad defensively and and other than Turner, there's not really anyone who's an established good defensive player. Their backcourt, maybe you could say TJ McConnell would be their backcourt. They don't have anyone at the three, right? I mean, they've got Halliburton, Duarte, Matherin, and Heald as, and Heald is probably going to start at the three, I guess. 
uh, you know, Aaron Neesmith might be able to give them something, but that's a real flyer. And McConnell will be coming in off the bench. We'll see how long he is for this team. Then it's Jalen Smith and O'Shea Brissett are your fours. And then Turner and Isaiah Jackson. And then Daniel Tice is still here for at least a little while uh, at five. So yeah, I mean, it, Turner, like maybe they can funnel everything into him and like it'll be semi-competent, but I just don't, in terms of either injuries or possible trades, I just don't see him sticking around that long. So this is looking like a bottom five DB, I think. I would, yeah, absolutely. A lot of bottom five deep. It's got to be like eight or nine. Offensively, though, yeah, with Hal Burton on the floor, he had an incredible time here. Granted, in a higher offense environment at the end of the year, but over 60% true shooting, increased playmaking, healed helps them from a shooting standpoint early on. Like, it, I mean, if you look at, hey, who's the best player on the Pacers? Tyrese Hal Burton, at least so far, is not a guy who you're looking at as a premium offensive option, but they did actually score pretty well. I think they're just going to, they're probably just going to play small and just be better on offense just because they're doing that, even if if they don't have like unbelievable on ball options so i'm not i don't i'm not going to go ahead and predict them to be top half of the league but i could see them being in the high teen potentially not but maybe worse depending on, on sure what happens. and and as a way of kind of calibrating what 22 and a half wins is the team that was closest to that last year in terms of actual record and differential was the detroit pistons they had 23 wins in the differential of a 22 win team so that seems about about right the pistons are a hard team to compare and especially because we don't know what in the world these pace are going to be at the start much less the finish but i think they i think they have more talent than this rick carlisle has never been the most tanktastic coach at least and not I, until the very end of the at least not until the very end and so like i i think that there are some frustrations um you and caitlin talked about this in terms of like will he optimize in terms of this team needs to run like that's their best chance to succeed but i think i like i'm gonna go over here because i just think 22 and a half like we it's just a really low number yeah i think so i i thought they'd be again kind of more in the 26 27 range with kate when i talked with kate and i picked him for god i picked them 29 wins really all right i'm gonna, I'm gonna lower that but uh i still think you know i'd be in the 27 6 range i mean i, I think i'm more just a believer that miles turner not gonna hear and tribute and he, he's we probably overrate him but he also is just such an important player for this group given that they have abs nobody else who can affect him unless you're uh, a goga batadze believer but yeah i think this is a pretty solid over for me i the real only reason i think i may not end up doing one of my best bets on this is just there's so much uncertainty with this group but it it like these guys in the spurs they don't feel as tanktastic just for an overall organizational feel than some of the other teams that we've really seen throw it in at the end and even though they lost a bunch of games last year like they did played halliburton until the end uh they just sucked so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know maybe that's a reason to go under I, but yeah i mean for them to say that they're gonna w- lose 60 games this year that i just can't imagine it in the pacers same uh, so let's go on to the Miami Heat, the best team in the Eastern Conference last year in terms of point differential and record, I believe. Um, they had a plus 5.1. No, they did not have the best point differential. In the East? Yeah, Celtics are a better player. Oh, the Celtics did. You're right. Thank you. Um, yeah. But Miami, 53 and 29, and that's about the same as their differential. They were, in terms of health, they got about 60 games each from Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Kyle Lowry, and no huge absences, like really long ones, other than Victor Oladipo, who is now going to take on a larger role with P.J. Tucker gone and one kind of i brought up that i'll bring up luck sometimes you could make an argument that the heat were the league's luckiest defense last year because they had the league's worst opponent three-point percentage and fifth weakest from long two and the heat have a have a lot of good defenders but like you don't expect that to necessarily continue so that might be a reason to be a little bit a little bit less rosy on their defensive output 
Yeah. So this. Oh, line, and I didn't. I didn't mention yeah. the line. The line is forty-eight and a half. Right. Seems like they're in this area every year, and since they got Jimmy Butler, and there's always question marks about Butler's availability during the regular season. He's he pushes up in the playoffs, and it is probably underrated as a playoff player at this point in time. But yeah, with him, this is his, what age thirty-three season this year. Yeah, and Butler? age thirty or age thirty-six for Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Now they should get more from Lowry. They got very very little from him last year. I, I think he's going to try to have a bounce back season. Particularly, I think, knowing some of Miami's trade ambitions, like if he wants to stay on this team, he's going to have to be better. And, you know, even Pat Riley said that he had some personal apps last year that think you know, I don't blame him for that, but hopefully that's in the rear view mirror for him. So if they had just got brought Tucker back, I would probably feel pretty good about this over. They just find a way they you weren't wonder about their depth, but they find guys like I think Haywood Highsmith might be their next guy, but they don't really have any kind of an established four on this roster. Maybe that's going to be Butler, but then they're going to be smaller defensively i don't think they're going to be quite the defensive monster that they were but they've got plenty of guys you could take a step forward the hero bam out of bio plenty of young guys Struess, vincent like their depth other than that four position is pretty good i expect some sort of a move will be made to address that four position they do have the ability to trade picks they might even make some big move at the trade deadline if there's a player who becomes available we don't expect yet 49 is a big number for them though i would say and i do expect the east to be better i don't think this is like this is a team that has a culture of pushing the regular season it has a lot of try hard guys but then also they're veteran enough and they have some larger goals in mind too i'm extremely torn on this one and i i should probably make my pick first because i don't want to be swayed by what you're gonna do let's let me try to go a year ago miami plus 5.1 net rating yeah, differential of a 54 win 11th on offense and fourth on defense I'm not sure that that fourth on defense is going to happen again if they're going to play hero more no tucker they're just generally going to be smaller more butler and oladipo is a, a solid defensive player but i think they're just going to be playing a lot of groups that have you know oladipo at the three cody martin at four dwayne deadman as a backup center doesn't thrill me he's getting up there in aid omar yurcevin as a defender as a backup center doesn't thrill me either so i do think they're going to take a step back that was really the foundation of a year ago and i'm not really sure where the offensive improvement is going to come from and i think butler is not going to give them as much i hate betting against miami i think i need to go on i'm going over i think they're a better team than this i think that the pj tucker absence is going to affect them far more in the playoffs than the regular season i think spo is a good enough coach that they can paper over it and also they weren't particularly like healthier or like you know they and what they got from lowry last year i think they can do better there also you something you brought up which is a meaningful factor for me is we haven't talked about it as much just kind of i think structurally due to the teams that have been here that you have this question about like are if you had to guess are they going to be better worse or the same after the deadline and if i had to guess with miami they'll be better because that's the way pat riley does things and so they will have found yeah, some guys and you can really rack up wins after deadline too right and and so and like i think their their execution their defensive versatility will give a lot of teams trouble and even and they can even play some younger guys that give a shit and so i think that's going to work out well for them it's it's a hard line though like this was one of the tougher decisions for me but i'm you know kind of all things equal i'm gonna bet on miami after especially after the way they burned me last year which was they were able to find guys on the margins better than i expected and so i'm gonna believe they can do it again yeah i guess the one thing i and again i'm extremely torn on this and i hate betting against guys stated they 
really they with during all these times and all these guys were out like other teams had a lot of guys out too sure and just because of their system and the guys they had on the margins their deep bench guys that were able to contribute like it felt like oh man how are they doing this it's like no actually these guys are just good Struess and vincent i'm not sure who those guys are this year and other than maybe heisman he, he's the guy that impressed me like i didn't really see anyone else that i was just wowed by uh like in the way that actually Struess i thought it was gonna be good uh based on last year's summer league so that that's i think just again with not without these COVID absences i do think that gutting wins out based on the system or when both teams are under man and all this like i, I do think the league's gonna be a little bit hard this year i said that last year too uh but then we had this massive omicron wave so expecting so i i think this hope god i hope having a so yeah this will be an interesting one i mean i i don't feel particularly strong bucks here milwaukee last year 51 and 31 that's about in line with their point differential and while the bucks playoffs were shaped by injury they were actually modestly healthy in the play in the regular season Giannis, drew and milton all played 66 67 games but brooke lopez basically missed the whole regular season so that was the big absence we'll see if they get more from Ibaka, who re-signed they acquired him at the deadline but a big concern for the bucks and their over under set at 52 and a half so right around the same as last year this is an older team than i think something and like yeah Giannis is in his prime and amazing but even like like Bobby Portis and Grayson Allen are 27. This is their age 27 season. And then Middleton, Drew, and Brooke are all in their 30s. Yeah, Bucks Media Day. Chris Middleton acknowledged he won't be ready to play opening night uh, with the wrist issue, but hopes to turn sometime near the beginning of the season. He's hoping to pick up a basketball in the next few weeks and get some range of motion. I, I think he's going to miss at least the first month season. That that would be my guess. I think this team is really going to have some problems getting two-way groups out there. Joe Ingles, they're talking about December or January for him maybe, but but he's not going to be effective right when he comes back. They're going to need to reintegrate him, which I think is going to hold them down a bit. Uh, they're going to take it very easy during the regular season. You think Giannis just played for Greece again. He hasn't had much time off. I, I would expect Giannis is going to be on the 65 game plan. I don't think that he's going to be trying to win MVP this year or anything like that. Uh, Drew and Middleton are, are both uh, on the downside of the aging curve. Drew is another guy that you just have to get some rest for. I'm also worried that he's not going to be able to get offensively last year. Like, I, I don't feel that this is, in last year the bucks only had a 3.6 net rating 51 wins were fifth on offense and 14th on defense i don't think they're going to be in the top five on offense this year i think a little bit better on defense just because but not much in the regular i don't see with they just have too many bad defenders in their lineup now let's keep in mind brooke lopez didn't play at all last year until the very end but he's also 34 so like they'll be able to get some of those Giannis lopez room protection minutes that teams still can't solve in the regular season so i do think the defense would be better but i don't see that being in the top five either and then you just wonder about the in, any injury to the one of those big three it makes things a lot more difficult Giannis missing games like I don't think they're gonna have the same ability the way they did in 1920 to just you know be a plus five net rating team the honest this this just that team anymore um yeah I'm gonna go under barely I picked them 52 wins when I did the pod with Frank Madden about a month ago and not much has changed to change my opinion on that but certainly easily could go over this is this is again I, I think this team if you could ensure me that they're gonna be at their best uh, all season and, and everyone had perfect health yeah give me high fifth guys I just don't think that's the case and I think chillin are gonna be on the burrs bud plan so give me the under I think we're gonna split these Miami and Milwaukee ones and because one of them mm. is gonna do it and one of them is not and for for the Bucks like I agree with everything you said the only thing is I think Giannis is an absolute monster and I don't know that he knows how to do the 
the Popovich plan. Like, you know, they'll they'll pull him from some games, but like he's going to play hard when he's out there. And Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, he's he's probably going to be the permanent MVP again this. I I would say I would say so. And they also getting Brooke back because they didn't really have a replacement for him if he can play even like 50 games for them. That will raise their defensive floor so significantly because they can do the math problem in a way that they could not, especially when Giannis was off the floor, which was a big problem for them last year. So it, it's a close call. Like this was, this is another one of those like tighter lines for me. I think they're a good team. And, and also like teams that have a lot of capable defenders, even if they don't have a lot of great playoff defenders, I think that they're like, their B games will be able to beat medium level teams, B and C, like B and A games. And so that'll be a yeah. problem for those teams. And yeah, see, see, I think, I think that's where we differ on it. It probably is. Is that I'm not sure they don't, I don't think they have that lore as a group, just the way their depth has been eroded over the last. Okay. Year. Let's go to the Knickerbockers, the Knicks, another line that kind of. Well, uh, quickly, one, one thing I want to add here, and this sure. will actually probably add up with the Knicks too, is I think, cause I, I was experiencing some trepidation, like, man, there's so many of these good teams. Like I, I feel like kind of so many of these teams are going to be the, like, I don't see anybody in the high thirties. I, I think it's going to be kind of similar to last year. Yeah. Maybe there's just an ankle that, but Hey, how do you add up to the right number of wins in the, with some of these teams? When you see, you know, you're picking the, the Knicks. I, I just did the pod with uh, Jared and Fred, you know, I picked them for 42 wins, right? Then that's, people are going to have them, you know, in the bottom of the play and mix it. If they're, where do those wins come from? I think that it comes from the top end. So I think a lot of these teams, uh, uh, you know, I've been under on Brooklyn, under on Miami, under on Milwaukee, under on Atlanta so far. I think that, the, that some of these teams that are supposed to be better in this range are just, especially given the nature of the regular season and some of the question marks, that's where I think those wins are going to come from. It's interesting to see once I do all my predictions where, what it adds up to in the end. The other place that those are going to come from is your Portland, in whoever's going to be this year's Portland. Yeah. For sure. And there definitely will just be somebody. Be we just don't know who it's going to be just yet. The Knicks last yeah. year, 37-45, but they significantly underperformed their point differential. They were about even, so they had the differential of a 41-win team. Whether they were healthy or unhealthy is kind of a matter of perspective because a lot of their key players, including Randall and R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson, were healthy, but Rose and Noel were hurt, and that really affected their season. Like It was just Derrick Rose missing it helped hurt a lot of things. Also, the Knicks, I brought up Miami as a lucky defense. The Knicks were an extremely lucky defense. Um, they were had one of the five lowest opponent three-point percentages and long two field goal percentages. This is last, last year, year? Or two years ago? Last year. Wow, okay. And so... Because they were very lucky the year before. Mm-hmm, they were. As people said. Yeah. And um, then, you know, in terms of personnel, they lost Noel, Burks, and Kemba Walker, but they added Jalen Brunson, Isaiah Hartenstein. And, like, yeah, I, I expected this, there, even even without getting Donovan Mitchell, I expected there to be more Knicks optimism. They didn't really do a ton. I mean, Jalen Brunson was the best free agent to change teams. But, you know, they, they ended up putting this line low. And so, like you said, you predicted 42. Like, I think that's the level of, of team that they are, is the, like, low 40s. And I often don't love picking those teams to go over. But I think they have ways to weather a lot of the storms. And so I think they'll be around a 500 team. Yeah, I think last the end of last year was instructive with this coach and this organization. If they're unless they're like below 30 wins, they are not at the end. Don't they are, and also they're deep enough. Unless they make some major trades, they're deep enough 
that even if they wanted to tank, they wouldn't be able to put bad enough players on the floor to do it. And you know, Tibbs is, is he's always going to try in terms of who he's putting out there, unless the organization is just like, hey, we're shutting so many guys down. But they have like a, a bench that's really better than the stars. One thing I just talked about with Fred and Jared was I think their bench is going to kill people. Yes, I agree. Uh, particularly if Rose is healthy, uh, that's been the case. And and hey, the I think again for this to be a 41 win team last year by point differential, I struggled to see why they would be worse this year i mean maybe it's it's that luck with the defense that you cited but their personnel is clearly better than last year and whether that's young guys getting better the addition of brunson the addition of isaiah hartenstein because you mentioned some of their front court depth issues with noel basically not playing and and robinson taking a while to ramp up they're going to have that rim protection that they didn't really have for large large portions of last year and yeah they, they really go like 10 or 11 deep and so whether it's injuries whether it's killing teams with your bench i think julius randall will be at least a little bit better than he was last year or he'll take fewer shots hopefully you know, i mean that that's your big problem with this offense is like hey rj barrett and julius randall are like you know 97th and 98th in true shooting percentage among high scorers or whatever the it is not that but whatever the, those guys are basically at the bottom of 20 point scores in terms of efficiency and so either those guys are going to get better or they'll have other guys who like brunson who can take more of the shots yeah i, I mean i'm going with the over here and i particularly just the depth and the lack of tanking i i think will get them there and they're going to be close enough to the play and they're going to want to be in the play in as well to kind of get the taste of the donovan mitchell thing Miles. anything else on them no i don't think we have much on them at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Orlando Magic, they last year were 22-60 and 60 and actually slightly outperformed their differential. <laughs> Negative uh, 8.5. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Isaac didn't play at all last year. Markel Fultz played 18 games, and he also is dealing with a fractured big toe, which is not great, but he'll probably be close to okay around the start of the regular season. Yeah, will not require surgery, yes. so hopefully. But but he is an important player for them, given he's an important player. How bad Jalen Suggs was. Uh, last year. The Magic's defense was unlucky last year. They were in the they had among the higher opponent three point percentages and long two percentages. Um, roster still remarkably similar other than adding number one pick Paulo Boncaro. And the passage of time, to me, helps the Magic a lot. So not only do you have the theoretically, like, guys that we thought were capable who didn't play last year, but also, like, you know, they have a lot of pre-prime players when you consider Franz Wagner, who had a great rookie season, and also... Great, great Eurobasket, Great too. Eurobasket, too, and... 
Cole Anthony could take a step forward. I mean, you have a lot of young guys. I mean, even Wendell Carter, like Wendell Carter is in his 20. Like, but he, he's been in the league for a while, but I could see a step forward for him, maybe Mo Bamba. So like, I think there's, and the magic, like the potential that they have defensively, though, of course, always important to note there that they have this defensive potential. They were, you know, they were 17th last year. So are they, do I have, think they're going to be a top 10 defense? Probably not. Like it, it's, but their offense was 30th last year. So like, I think there's a way that they are in the play and mix and that we're just like, well, they're just better than we thought they were. But they have a clear cut kind of incentive structure right now, which is to not win a ton of games. They had the capacity to add more talent than they did and they chose not to, which I respect, I think was the right course to take. And I, I honestly, I don't know who they could have gotten better for the prices they paid than Gary Harris and Mo Bamba, though Harris also, I think, was actually a really important player for them and had a very underrated season last year with his shooting turning. But he had a mastectomy on September 1st, which means he might be ready, you know, maybe like a, a month into the season, a couple of weeks into the season. Like that's not a meniscus repair, but, you know, they're obviously going to take it very slow with him. And I don't know how good he's going to be. And, you know, they'll probably want to build him up a little bit so they can maybe trade him. Him, but he's not uh like i think you get that two-way play on the wing they don't necessarily have that or at the guard position they don't really have that from anyone else uh shooting and defense so i think he's an important player for them he's not gonna play that that's a problem but yeah i mean you, you're saying that they didn't get better outside the organization so it's really all internal improvement yeah. that we're looking it's, at here. it's internal improvement and you know getting guys back from injury which of course can be can be really important so like i see a clear path for them to win 30 to 35 games like i think the defense can be better they have a lot of talent they have a lot of guys that can take a step up i just don't see it all happening this year they're going to give a lot of latitude to really young guys and even if Boncaro ends up being a wonderful pro which i expect i had him number one on my board it generally isn't that way immediately like there are usually only let's call it between one and three rookies that are positive players and Boncaro could be one of them i think he has a good chance but i don't think and especially with how well he played defensively in summer league but i don't think that's a guarantee he's going to get a lot of latitude so my instinct is that they will that they will have a successful season by their standards, but go under. Yes, quietly 17th in defense a year ago. And of course, they shut everyone down and, and tanked it towards the end. Another team that might have just a little bit too much depth to that at this point. I think they're going to trade some of that depth. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, but even in terms of young guys, theory need play. But uh, although they, they've always got RJ Hampton, they can ball games. Yeah, I, I'm very interested to see. I mean, the step forward, I don't know that they're like they have a the defensive talent bolts issue and the harris issue that, that takes a lot of their backcourt defense out we still have no clue what's going to happen with jonathan isaac in terms of his return but it seems like he's going to be a backup 20 minute a game guy just getting his footing out hard to count on him for a big impact this year but if you just look at their overall team like how many bad defenders do they have we're going to play not many right like cole anthony will probably play some uh you know if hampton plays you know paulo is, is going to be probably going to be pretty bad as a rookie but Mo Bamba, if he's the backup center, is not very good even with his shot blocking. So, uh, but they also have a, a lot of good defenders. And just so, what is Jamal Mosley going to get out of them? I think to get 17th last year is pretty good. And then the other question is, guys were so bad last year. Like they and the Thunder were basically like over a full point worse. 28 Pistons, who themselves were two points worse than number 27 Portland. So those three teams were just so far down in offense last year. And is the addition of Paolo going to help? Like they still don't 
don't have much shooting. I guess Terrence Ross, another guy, is a bad defender who could be in the patient. Uh, you know, if I had to say, are they going to be worse or better than 17th on defense? I think that's right about there. And it's just, all right, can they get to even quasi-respectable on offense? You just don't know. Paulo, Wagner, what level are they going to take forward? The Suggs and Fultz can't do it. That's a problem. So I, I think they're still probably a bottom five offense. And you mentioned towards the end of the momentum will be dragging them down. I, I do think I'm going to go under. I had 26 wins. That was before the Harris and Fultz news happened. So I certainly am not raising that prediction. The over under 27 and a half. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll take the-, the Philadelphia 76ers last year were 51. And- what did you have again? I had the under. Yes. Okay. And I would love to be wrong on that one. Like I, I, I would love for the magic to be much better than that. It's just generally the. Eh, I, I, I'd like to be right and see them add another like good. Yeah, we'll see. Although maybe we should root for Utah and San Antonio. <laughs> because of the so 76ers last year went 51 and 31. They had the differential of a 49 win team. And they were actually pretty healthy other than the Ben Simmons part of the equation. 68 games for Embiid, 75 for Tyrese Maxey, 73 for Tobias Harris. They added P.J. Tucker, Daniel House, and DeAnthony Melton. Didn't really lose anybody other than Danny Green, who was hurt, but he played for them, of course, last year. And they will get a full season, depending on how much he plays, of James Harden, his age 33 season, Embiid's age 28. And I was surprised the over-under was just at 15 and a half. And I mean, I think there's plenty of reasons to be concerned about the Sixers, you know, like how are they going to handle injuries and everything else? Like, I don't, you know, Doc Rivers is not always my favorite playoff coach, but I think they're going to win more than 51 regular season games. Oh yeah, I'm hammering this over. I think this is probably going to be one of my best. I think so too. Yeah, it could could fall apart if Embiid gets hurt. But one thing since uh, I predicted them for 54 wins with Derek Bonner is they brought in Montrezl Harrell and I, I have some concerns about that in the postseason but i think he can still help in the regular season makes gives you a little bit more of a theory offensively playing pick and roll with james harden so and with and and with tyrese maxi actually right right And, and this is a team that just that makes sense uh in basically every way now like they go nine deep in solid either stars or two-way players i think this is going to be a top five offense in the nba Uh, i think james harden will be better if not amazingly better than he was last year with the hamstring bothering him and having gotten into better shape now now there could be injuries that could knock the knock them down a little bit but i think they actually for the first time could win some games without Embiid. i'm a little worried about their regular season fence but i think they have enough guys like melton and tucker who are going to play hard and keep that respectable and i think that's going to be kind of maybe you know the number 10 defense something along those lines and you know the war offense like it could be appropriate to me so yeah i, I like the overall i picked these guys for 54 they're going to be right in the mix i think with boston i think those two are going to be fighting it out for best record in the east conference the raptors last year went 48 and 34 they had the plus 2.2 differential of a 46 and a half win team and their over under is set right around that range and that's notable because they basically have the same team they added Otto porter and wancho hernan gomez and they were pretty healthy last year uh, og and anobi played 48 games van bleed at 65 and siakam at 68 like they could be hard but <laughs> keep in mind those guys played 65 and 68 but they each played over 2400 minutes because of nick nurse so they actually got a lot of minutes there and they you know they did a lot of the things i, I talked a lot last year about their half court offense where they maximized kind of everything else with offensive rebounds and transition and everything like that so i think this is a really well 
well set line 47 and a half yeah i'm going under slightly just due to concerns about the offense a little bit concerns about the durability maybe a fred van vliet who it seems like they've kind of run into the ground over the last couple of years this is a an ensemble cast that i think lies but they also rely on van vliet and trent really they're only great shooters i do like picking up porter and they'll have thad young all year as well precious achua was terrible for the first half of last year and i think he's going to be much better this season on both ends so i think this defense should be better than they were i'm not sure that they have a bottom five half court offense i'm not sure that that's going to get much better i think also it's just going to be a little bit harder to overwhelm teams just by sheer force of will and transition and i'm also worried that maybe their defense has now they they say they need this to get out and run more to force turnovers but that when you're giving up a ton of open corner threes and gambling as much as they do that it's hard to have like an absolutely elite defense and that to me the path for them to go hit this over is to get solidly into the top 10 defensively because i just don't know how they're gonna get into the top half league on offense unless like scotty barnes takes a massive step forward offensively which i i think some people are predicting i'm not necessarily predicting that i think it's gonna be more incremental improvement from him and then the shooting in the ecosystem is not either um nick nurse is also i think gonna take some time to find the lineup combinations that work who he's gonna start who's gonna play center what do you how do things shake out between boucher thaddeus young and porter who's going to shoot three-pointers other than Van Vliet and Trent and Porter. So yeah, I, I I picked them for 47 wins. Like I'm not feeling particularly strongly about this under at all. It's just, I, I think they're not, they're not a team that's just going to like overwhelm people at times the way that they did last year, just with their athleticism stuff on a night-to-night basis when you've got all these that are decimated by COVID. I, I don't, so yeah, let's. Uh, well, I haven't answered yet. Um, I, I Yeah, yeah. No, 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 I was, I was going to move oh, on. I was just uh, struggling to say anything. Okay. So I'm just that's talking. Um, so my my challenge with the with the Raptors is like I think on talent on talent they're a little bit better than this. They were 16th in offense. 10th in defense like I think they'll be a good defense this year maybe not top five but I think they'll be very good they have they don't have too many bad defenders in the rotation yeah, I think they will be better I also think th- I also really respect their functional depth I think that Nick Nurse is a very good coach but the reason I'm going under I I, I think this is right around the range like I wouldn't be surprised at all if they hit 48 49 50 is because I don't think of them as a 55 win team and to me if I don't think you can blow through your over if you can get to like 54 55 yeah. then then that to me, like if I'm if that's the way I'm thinking, then I should probably pick the under if I'm torn because they they don't have that kind of offensive juice. They don't have I don't think they have these other than Scotty Barnes, these players that are just going to like totally radicalize the way we think about them. Like they don't really have, you know, they, they have some good players and they don't, they don't, they have some good young players, but they don't really have those kind of guys. So I, it, it feels weird in some ways. I picked a lot of the good teams to go over when you pick them to go under. And I like, I think the Raptors could, but they're, they're going to have some gross games and they will win a lot of those games, but they're also going to lose some of them. Like that's just the way it goes. And they're going to have nights where their guys can't shoot and they're going to have nights when they're at a rest disadvantage or something else so i i think those i think this is a reasonable line but i'm gonna go under and we can go to the wizard yeah and, and quick, quickly one more thing on that i don't trust them that much as a crunch time team to generate shots right that that's not too amazing either and right like i mean I one way of putting long, it is like long, yeah. there there is this element which we didn't really talk about the bulls which is like there are some teams that do or even like the utah jazz david Locke had a good thing on this years ago about teams that under or over perform their point differential like there are reasons why that can't happen i think of the raptor in this iteration as a team that will underperform their point differential with some regularity 
I would say though, uh, piggybacking on what you said about them not necessarily having that high of a ceiling with this group. Although you might say, hey, if they could be a top five defense, perhaps they do mathematically. But I, I don't necessarily see that. I think they have one of the smaller ranges Agreed. among the teams we've discussed. And I would say the Knicks are in that category too. I talked about Fred and Jared as a team that just kind of, and I think that that's the case when you have a lot of depth, but you don't necessarily have a ton of high end time. I mean, the, the best player on the Raptors is, is that a top 25 player in the NBA? I mean, I know Siakam made All-NBA last year that little, but maybe he takes a step forward. Maybe Barnes takes a step forward. Maybe Ben Bleed's young enough in a contract year. Last one here, Washington. The Washington Wizards last year went 35 and 47, but they dramatically outperformed their point differential. Their negative 3.8 differential was that of a 31.5 win team. So that's a basically a plus 3.5 swing if you want to think about it that way Hashimura missed half the season but the rest of the team was pretty healthy um they added Contavious Caldwell Pope sorry they traded Contavious Caldwell Pope and added Monte Morris and Will Barton they also added Delon Wright and generally speaking Ted Leonce's teams have pushed harder to win more than 36 games more often than some of these teams have if they're in that range and this team has a lot of front court stuff to figure out like they have a lot of guys with Porzingis and Gafford and Avdia and Rui Hashimura and Kyle Kuzma and so that's generally a good problem for Wes Unsell Jr., but it could be a little bit of a weird one to manage. I picked him for 35 wins, so I'm going to end up going with the the under, but I don't feel particularly strongly about it. I, I think this is another team where you look at who their best player is, Bradley Beal, like, okay, you know, second best player is Chris Porzingis. Okay, their depth, like like you mentioned, like there are some pretty good guys, but there's still no one else that you would say is like a premium starter with this group and some decent backups. I think their shooting is a little bit of a question mark. They have a lot of one-way players on this team as well. I think Unsolved, they got off to that great start last year, but still not sure what to think of him as a coach. I'm not necessarily penciling him in as a plus who's going to push these guys beyond their talent level. So I, I think just you, this one is not that hard to me. Uh, I, I mean, it's hard because I'm right on the over-under, but as far as just pegging the approximate range for this team, you just, and also, hey, Bradley Beal might just not be good anymore. Right. right. Like, that, that's a possibility. He had this wrist surgery, but he had an inexplicable decline last year and you know, didn't get the foul line as much as shooting was there. Like, I think he could be better than last year, but I'm talking about him as like this 30 point a game score on decent efficiency. I'm not sure that that guy is coming back either. They're really reliant on Porzingis. Porzingis might be their best two way player at this point, and he was good for them last year, but counting on him to play a ton of games or to just not get injured and then suffer a horns decline, not sure if that's a great idea. So, yeah, I mean, you just you add up the talent on this team it's just it's not that good like it's below average talent really for if every slot on the roster they're just not if you're looking at like the nba median doesn't really get you to above average they're a slightly below average team okay pick them for a slightly below average performance on a related note there's this weird parallel we've talked about the parallels off the court kind of between bradley beal and damian lillard of these stalwart players that have stayed on franchises that aren't really title contenders and the wizards are obviously worse than the blazers but there's another weird parallel that i hadn't identified until i looked this up during the preparation the wizards have had a bottom six defense three of the last four years and the only year that they were like meaningfully better the year with russ where they you know got into the eventually the playoffs out of the play-in that was the only year they were 
even passable. And their offense hasn't been great enough to, that's like one of the big differences with the Blazers because Lillard is a better player than Beal is as the best player on a team in particular. So like, I think they're going to have a middle of the road, if not worse offense. I think they're going to have a weak defense and they don't have that many great defenders. They don't have that many good defenders in their rotation. And we used to hammer on Thomas Bryant and all that kind of stuff. And they do have Gafford and Porzingis now, but like, and Avdia I like quite a bit, but they don't have these like real value adds. They're going to be playing limited defensive guards a whole heck of a lot. And how much is unsold pressure to play guys like Johnny Davis? We're going to have to see. So, I mean, if they're, I think they're going to be bottom, bottom half in offense. And I think they're going to be bottom 10 in defense. Generally speaking, those teams don't win 35 games. All right, well, that will do it for conference over-unders. Thanks so much for joining us again. If you are a monthly subscriber, I encourage you to sign up for that John Hollinger pre-sale. This is the lowest yearly price we are ever going to offer going forward. We'll never offer it again once John comes on board. So highly encourage you to do that. We really want to try to encourage some of you monthly members to sign up for, for the yearly plan. So we're offering a pretty good deal on that and one that we're never going to offer again. So take advantage, jump in on that. And and we'll be back with more later this week. Talk to you all again soon. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.